been episode 396 of The Sleeper in the Bus. It is Tuesday, October 11th. I'm your host, Paul Spohr, joined by Eno Saris. Eno, how's it going? It's, it's going good. I had to stay up a little late last night. A little. Just a <laughs> little late. A little bit less late for me because I'm on the West Coast. Yeah, you're at least... I, honestly... When I looked down, I could not believe how late it was. And then you think about folks on the East Coast yeah. <laughs> trying to stick it out. You know, we we know where our Twitter friends live, and so you're seeing some of them tweet. And you're like, "Oh my God, that's going to be an interesting day for him or her tomorrow." Good yeah. luck with that. All of uh, Chicago is probably pretty tired. I mean, crazy, crazy stuff. Great game, though. We've had a lot of amazing playoff games, got, and as we I did got last a, year. On that What's topic, that? real quick, I, I got a, a, a G chat. From my friend Matt Denowitz, who does beer grouse with me, and the last thing he wrote before going to bed was "Love hurts." <laughs> <laughs> He's out in Chicago, so anyway, it well, um, yeah, you had the people debating, like, do I stay up? Do yeah, I not? Yeah. I know Chris Crawford over at uh, at, at BP was saying that he had he passed out, he fell asleep, he didn't even know until later this af- like this afternoon. What the final score? <laughs> well, he's a he, he's a prospect guy. <laughs> yeah, so he, he he's like, you know what? Those guys are all in the majors. I, I can't care about them anymore. I but, thought uh, I thought that uh, the only thing I haven't seen a lot of people say. I thought that, um, I, and I'm not sure. Maybe you just do this in a regular season and not in the postseason. But I thought, you know, one thing that Joe Madden did a lot was, you know, Travis Wood plays left field, and a right-handed pitching. Him. Yes, and then you and then you bring in, um, and then you bring in uh, uh, Travis Wood from the outfield, and you throw the right hander out there. I thought uh, that Bochi could have done that because Ty Block was kind of a little bit tired looking or something, and he he has that kind of release and stuff that you would rather uh, you know pitch him against lefties. And I think he pitched to like Chris Bryant in a huge spot and. You know, I was like, you know, how much use are you getting out of Gregor Blanco right now? Like, you know, or or whoever. Yeah, I think probably Gregor Blanco. You know, why don't you just, you know, sub in Contos who you've been you've been pitching? The problem is then that if it goes like eighteen, um, you're screwed. Well, yeah, and I, like those... like for them, uh, what's his face was Contos was probably never going to pitch because if you pitch Contos, then you're no. In an inning, a position player is pitching in the playoffs. Exactly, and that's those are the crazy parts of these of these super long games. Like, when do you pull that trigger? Yeah. Do you try to do something like you're saying, where you you shove a guy out in left field for a play, hope he doesn't get it. In the case of Travis Wood, that one time he did have to go get it up against the wall in Wrigley, and because he's having this crazy year of of hitting relief home runs and, and making crazy <laughs> plays, of course he caught that ball. But um, yeah. I kind of love it. I, I I said at inning ten, I'm down for six or seven more. I got oh, a few really? more. Just it, it's great watching the late the, the weird late night baseball. Yeah, it was an true. insane game. You know, I I'm not against the Cubs or anything. I I only wanted the Giants to win just to kind of keep keep the baseball going. I just right. I, I want every game to go uh, its full or every series to go its full capacity if possible. But I know that uh, I know a lot of teams or a lot of uh, fans certainly weren't cheering for that. What an absurd game, though, with uh, with Connor Gillespie and then Chris Bryant, and then of course uh, I think it was Joe Panic had the had the final hit there. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, yeah. it, it's it's already the 13th, been a nuts I declared play. my last inning, and then you know I was still there in the fourteenth, of course. Oh yeah, I, I, I sent <laughs> several people on Twitter. I I, I got to go to bed after this one. Nope, they were nope. still on. <laughs> you, you, you can't quit it, especially when you get to a certain point. Unless your body just gives out. Thankfully, I was uh, I, I was in it for the long haul. Uh, you know, we're going to talk a lot of playoffs today and and have some fantasy spin to it. I think there's been a lot of stuff that's already happened. We're not even done with this with this whole first round. I don't really count the uh, wild card games as the first round, so to speak. But there's still plenty of guys to already talk about. And I want to start with with a guy who's been interesting, not really different from what we saw since he's joined Cleveland, but uh, we're seeing it on the on the national stage. Everyone's kind of getting a load of what uh, Cleveland's been able to do with Andrew Miller and his usage. Now, I think in that first game, he was brought in in the fifth inning, and or, or fifth or sixth, but then pitched two innings. Um, you know, they have had no qualms about bringing him in when they need him most, and it's really been an interesting usage pattern. Do you think that the way 
Terry Francona is using Andrew Miller and the success that they're having with it, it's going to influence the league to kind of start using their best guys uh, and, and hopefully having with the way these bullpens have been deepened too, you can kind of have one or three guys, uh, one or two extra guys that you're interested in using as closers. Do you think that this is going to kind of start some, some trickle change across the league, or is it going to be isolated to a team here and a team there that use their best guy like this? You know, one thing that's interesting is that when I try to look at this for my AL manager of the year vote, and I tried to look at how bullpens are being used by managers, I found that in some ways the Indians were fairly conventional with their bullpen usage before they got Andrew Miller. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when you when you evaluate these things, you have to think, okay, well, it, how likely is it that a team is going to have an Andrew Miller and a Cody Allen on the same team? Because when the season started, they didn't, and they were normal. They had Cody Allen as a closer, and, you know, Brian, Brian Shaw, Shaw was a setup guy, and they didn't really do anything funky like bringing Brian Shaw in in the sixth inning or fifth inning, you know? It was, like, pretty much, you know, by the book. So... Yeah, and I think the same thing is true of uh, the Yankees. You know, the Yankees at one point had this crazy bullpen and some ability to do uh, interesting things with them, but even they kind of fell into some patterns where, you know, Chapman was the closer and uh, Batances was the seventh inning guy and so on and so forth. So it's, it seems to depend on the player, right? Because I think we learned, uh, or I think we've known, but it was brought up again yesterday that. Chapman specifically is a guy who who really is locked in on the routine piece. He's not somebody who wants to, you know, kind of have that flexibility. Mm-hmm. He wants to know when he's going to come in. And so when they brought him in for the sixth inning save, you started to see people talk about, well, this is not something that necessarily suits him. Andrew Miller's completely on the other end where he's always said, I'll do I'll do what I got to do. And you might I'll- and you might uh, attribute to that sort of the backstory, which is you know, that Andrew Miller was a starter. Exactly. So, you know, maybe he has, you know, the capacity for more innings in him. Like he's shown, he's stretched out to, you know, 160, 200 at some point. So, you know, you know, putting him into 80 is not that big a deal. Um, and, uh, and he's also been well compensated, which is interesting. Because <clears throat> if you're a young lefty coming up, a young lefty fireballer, you want to be the closer. And Of course, because he... he- you got to get that paper, man. I mean, right. So ha- I mean, having having a lockdown four year deal has to help it as well, right? And if I'm like Chapman, Chapman did sign something to come to the states, so he's better off than a minor league guy. But he hasn't signed that like, you know, you know, a big big deal, you know, free and agent. That'll contract. be this year, right? So so he you know he'd rather you know make me the closer, put me in you know, on clean innings and I'll look the best that I can look for, for free agency. And I think that's part of why that's what's going to work against any innovation in baseball is the lack of innovation when it comes to pay structure. So we're talking about arbitration, basically. And arbitration has added kind of holds, you know, they'll, they'll look at holds now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and so they'll, they'll reward people for holds. So you could convince, um, you know, your next Dallin Patances, you could convince, uh, let's say uh, here, here's a guy, Corey Kniebel, right? Corey Kniebel's, you know, a, a, a really is it Corey Kniebel? What's yeah. Kniebel's first yeah. name? Is it Corey? You got it right. Okay, you so got the he, last name right too. Most people he, say Kniebel, but it is Kniebel. Uh, evil Kniebel. And I was going to say it. Oh, he, that's got to be his nickname. <laughs> we're we're the worst. We're really bad at this. Anyway, at least we don't just put Y on the end of it. It's not Kniebel-y <laughs> or Corey. Um, so, uh, anyway, that was a really bad dad joke. Um, so you Kniebel, are a dad. You, you, I am a dad. So you, uh, you have Thornburg or is he the starter? Thornburg's the closer, Thornburg. right? So yeah, have, Thornburg was in there. Will Smith was in there and then he's gone. Right. But, but you, you, have, you have Thornburg in there who, um, you know, I think I like him. He's fine. I don't think you're going to sign him long term. And Kniebel is the guy who could turn into a Cody Allen in a second. And... Let's say the Brewers, you know, it's not crazy the Brewers are our surprise team next year because uh, VR is a, is a find on the infield. They have Arcia. If Arcia took a major step forward, that infield suddenly, you know, Scooter is better than people think. Scooter Jeanette is, you know, you know league average power from a, from a decent platoon second baseman is actually, you know, valuable. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
you know, they've still got Braun, but they've got so many outfield pieces that, you know, even if Carter takes a step back, they could move someone to first. Domingo Santana. Um, who's the guy who laughs all crazy? Uh, Brett oh, Phillips. Brett Phillips. Brett Phillips. Uh, who do they? Who else did they trade for? Um, uh, Keon Broxton was obviously he showed Keon some Broxton flashes was this year. Yeah, they've got Domingo Santana. There we go, obviously. Domingo Santana, my stat cast darling right there. So those are those are a bunch of guys. I mean, let's say your hit rate on those kind of guys is fifty percent. Even if your hit rate is fifty percent, you've got two guys in the outfield. All of a sudden. You look at that whole situation, you're like, oh, you've got everything but a catcher, right? Mm-hmm. And if you can, and there's all sorts of organizational type catchers that you can bring in your Rene Rivera's that you just you just frame, just sit there and frame, and the rest of the offense will will hum. And yeah, there's ones that aren't fantasy relevant that teams would really like that we right. might not even be as aware of. Where they say, okay, we bring in this guy, he's going to run that staff. And that's yeah. all we care about. And then you and then you take the approach with the starting staff. We were like, well, you know what? Maybe we sign a reliever. And we, we, we big up, you know, the back end and uh, we sign a lefty reliever, you know, all of a sudden you've got the sort of, you know, Will Smith, maybe if they're all at the top of their game, you sort of have that, that lefty power, lefty power, righty behind a power, righty closer that can shorten games. And now you're asking, you know, Chase Anderson's to go five innings, you know, so they could be a place that this could happen. And the way that you have to sell it is you have to say to Corey Knievel, you're going to get your money in holds. Uh, we like you long-term. Let's talk long-term right now. And maybe we'll sign you to that Sean Doolittle deal or we'll sign you to you know, a deal that pays you based on this holds progression, maybe a little bit more, um, mm-hmm. and locks you into that. So then you're paid. Like I talked to Adam Ladovino. He's like, I don't care if I close because they signed me to, to all my years. You know? Yeah, because they they have that security. I, I think yeah. you're hitting on a great point that a lot of these guys want those saves to take into arbitration. But if they've got the money and they've got a measure of security, okay, then maybe I, we can change it a little bit more. And now I can be a little bit more Andrew Millery and say, yes, I'll come in in the seventh because this is when the this is when the biggest fire it needs to be put out because there's two on one out. Uh, or whatever, and Jimmy Nelson's done for the day, or whatever. And right. Knievel could be a really good asset like that. And then you still have a quality Tyler Thornburg that can close it out. You can't just put a complete scrub back there. That's why you have to have right. you know three, four guys that you can rely on. But most bullpens do these days. That that's that's just where yeah. we're at. They you are don't getting just better. Have one guy. Yeah, I mean, I don't know why. I, I guess, uh, you know, one thing that's happening is that there are more human beings on the planet, right? So with every year that we don't expand, the baseball doesn't expand, th- they theoretically, the players should get better, mm-hmm. you know, because we're adding a draft every year. So um, in that way, maybe it's not surprising that we have these pitchers that aren't necessarily able to be starting pitchers and, you know, end up in the bullpen faster and, uh, find their way to getting paid faster, and I mean, if you think about, you know, the easiest thing to pick up in an off season is, you know, go out and get three or four relievers that might might actually be useful. Absolutely, um, that's always the biggest change for the quote unquote surprise teams. Yeah, is, is flipping their bullpen. That is the quickest route. And Milwaukee had some good offense this year. They've got a few pieces in the rotation. I really like Junior Guerra. We talked about him a lot. Um, this year, right? J- there's there's the beginning Chase of something, Anderson. you know. Maybe Jimmy Nelson takes another step forward. Chase Anderson, you know, has some things going for him. If he's a back end guy, now you're looking to just find a one or a two or you know something to fill in. So Willie Peralta looked great down the stretch. Josh Hader's a name that, that yeah, a lot Hader of folks could be like. a one. I mean, Hader. Could I be still a one. like Jorge Lopez, and Jorge Lopez His numbers has a were lot awful, of stuff. Yeah, but it was Colorado. Yeah, Hader too. Hader too had some really bad numbers, but. Uh, they released a uh, DRS. It's a defense. No, not DRS. Um, DRA. DRA defensive uh, runs against. No, deserved uh, deserved run allowance or something. Oh, okay. It's the BP stat um, that kind of takes takes position takes situation by situation to account and uh, and really corrects for like fielder positioning and all sorts of stuff. It's a really good granular like Sierra XFIP type thing, right? And uh, they ran it on the minor leagues, and they found that Hader uh, was like 20% better than the league, even though his overall numbers look really crappy. So yeah, and bo- both of them will. You- you'll go look at those Colorado Springs numbers of Hader and Lopez, and they'll make you vomit. But, you know, Hader was striking out about 12 batters per nine, too. 
you know, so he's missing bats. I'm sure he's a lot of those walks for Hader were probably the fact that he's terrified at some point to come into the zone. It's just <laughs> you talk about not wanting to, to go too crazy about uh, minor league numbers. It's especially so in those um, insane environments. Remember, Noah Syndergaard didn't exactly uh, light it up in Las Vegas, but it was because it was Las Vegas. It's completely yeah. different environment. And, and he learned to he learned to throw that change up, which he you know he's not throwing a ton of, but you know. Well, he needed it for there. He doesn't yeah. necessarily need it as much in the majors. Now he can bring back his breaking ball. And we talk about, um, uh, who was it that had a breaking ball that, oh, man, there was somebody who kind of broke Seth out Seth Lugo year. couldn't throw it. Boom. Exactly. Seth Lugo can't throw that number. That's his number one pitch. And you can't be hanging that in Vegas all, all night. You're going to get crushed. So he kind of had to scrap it. And then, boom, comes back to the majors. And it's almost like a new pitch for him. So I think that but, that's uh, an interesting aspect as well with the guys in Colorado Springs. Go, to back to your original question about, about bullpens, it, I think it is interesting because... In some way, it's going to cause fantasy. It's going to call the old old school fantasy to to sort of dig into a corner and dig itself further into a corner because you're gonna we're gonna start we're gonna start we're gonna in the saves leagues where there's no holds and there's and you really want to have those saves. We're gonna have to start thinking like the lowest common denominator when it comes to uh, organizations and managers. We're gonna have to start you know, going backwards. And, mm-hmm. and while the league is starting to Mike Shanahan us on, on, on closers, and all of a sudden we have three guys with, you know, 15 saves in one bullpen, uh, we're going to, you know, run backwards to find Dusty Baker and, uh, and, and people of his ilk and, and maybe the D-backs and find, you know, a crappier pitcher with like a three seven five ERA, but he has thirty saves. So because because yeah, because they're leaving him in there. He he's the guy, and you know, there's still some teams that they're, they're going to leave the guy in there. You know, Kenley Jansen's another one who sometimes when set. you have a guy that's so good and the rest of your pen is not as good, then it's just like, like what back to what we were saying about 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 you know personnel. So. Maybe that'll cause the, the the guy guys, the top five relievers, to to take another leap forward in price, which is is difficult for me because I already have a hard time. Like, let's say you're in an auction, I have a really hard time spending twenty dollars on a closer. I agree. I'm actually more inclined to do it in a draft. I, I I don't know if that's weird or not, but I I'd rather I'd rather allocate the draft resources than the than the uh, the auction resources. I will take a couple of you know I'll take a Chapman Jansen, a Wade Davis Jansen was a combo that I did a couple times this year in like a sixth seventh. Elbow yeah, but I'm not area. even sure that that counts. I mean, twenty dollars is almost like third round money. I think twenty dollars is is no joke. And when like you have to pay up, is my number one pitcher in AL labor. You know? Yeah. And and so having to back that you know having to make that be Kimbrel and then try to figure out your starter and guys do that in labor you'll see it their highest paid guy is a closer and I just don't see it man I did okay I actually I was second in saves last year and I spent a little bit more than usual but I got oh, I wish I yeah Dyson right. Yeah, I, yeah, no, I mean, I, I hit on all the, I had Dyson and, and uh, Kinsler, and, um, you know, I had a, I, I, I did my due when it came to, you know, finding guys, but I came out of the draft with uh, Cody Allen as my number one, uh, so $17 on Cody Allen and $2 on Sam Dyson, so... I probably spent five dollars combined less than most people on the closer position, at least. And you had two guys. And I and Dyson wasn't a closer right off the bat, but I had two guys I really liked. I had Liam Hendricks last. That didn't work out, but it cost me two bucks. I had Tony Zick on my bench and Cam Bedrosian. And By the way, re- remember Sean Tolleson at the beginning of the year? How oh, well, we just horrific we just, it was. And, and it was so weird that we just knew it was coming. I don't know why. I, I <laughs> zeroed in on Dyson's. Super sinker, and I was like, early. "This guy you is Blake Train." Early on that, yeah, this guy's Blake Train, and this guy is, is Zach Britton. He's just from the right side, so uh, that's the reason behind that. But in any case, um, that's where I'm comfortable. Seventeen dollars, I get a good closer, but I'm not. I, I'm retaining three dollars, and actually, guess what? I'm a I, I'm a, I'm a dork. Uh, he was my number <laughs> one pitcher. There you go. 
That's there, weird. There you go. But, but, but in a way that was more manageable because I had Tanaka at 15 and Smiley at 15 and Gosman at 10. So, you know. Gosman at 10. That's nice. That, that ended up working. Probably yeah. was a little sketchy. In fact, I remember you talking about some potential trades with him because it was a little sketchy early on, but he really, he really leveled out in the uh in the summer and ended up with a good season so actually i, mean, I think so, the closer might be my number one again after I've, after all that talk i did out of my ass because i think one of the main problems with me was that i my my last two guys chris bassett and drew hudson were you know a dollar and three dollars and <clears throat> you know bassett might have worked out maybe one of those guys would have worked out but it sure would have been better if i could have spent you know three dollars and five dollars on my last exactly two Exactly. Well, you know, I, and smiley. I like this no $1 thing. You know, I, did, I only ended up fourth or fifth, but with a couple of hits, I mean, J.R. Murphy really was a zero for me. And I thought he was going to be solid. Yeah. And it ended up being that, I, I don't know how Suzuki finished, but I know he had a point there in the middle of the season where he was actually hitting really well. And right. J.R. Murphy, you know, John Just Ryan Murphy could not it. have worked out worse for them. And Byungo Park for 15 was good for most of the year, but then he just disappeared, so... Well, they gave up on him too. I mean, I, I know they're not comparable, so maybe yeah. it's unfair to even say it. But like, you know, Baltimore was gonna get jump off the Yunsu Kim train in, before the season even started, and they were talking yeah. about sending him down or sending him back. And he's like, "Nah, I've got." That was my best free agent pickup of the year. I picked him up uh, and for and a dollar. Up, like, ended up totally working. I mean, he was yeah. he was a non-factor. Nobody wanted anything to do with him in fantasy, and then he ended up getting his his season back on track. Byungo Park only got sixty-two games. I, I I gotta wonder that if he'd get, been given some more time, if he might not have leveled out himself. You know, six eighty-four OPS, still had twelve homers and a four oh nine slug, despite the uh, the one ninety-one batting average. I don't know if he's not a, a a nice sneak pick next year for dirt cheap. Park. There, there just won't be any hype. Park. Yeah, Park. Yeah, for sure. I think so. Kim, he was Kim hurt. will be a little bit more he was hurt. loved on for his Young finish. Young Park was hurt. I think he had wrist surgery. He was definitely hurt. His wrist hurt. I think he even had surgery. So, you know, and they also don't have a ton of options. I mean, they, they didn't, like, love Kenny Svargas even when Park was gone. So... I think there's definitely an opening there for him. I mean, if he's available to me at anything less than $5, he's going to be my util next year. I, I, I think he will be. I think yeah. he will be. Let's, let's jump over to a few other topics here. Jose Ramirez, you know, is really staying hot in the playoffs. And I know that any, any playoff samples we talk about are small samples. I get it. What I'm really focused on, though, is, is a guy who has an exemplary performance that a lot of folks are seeing that maybe they didn't see or notice it early, uh, during the year. Because I, I find this happens to me sometimes as well. If I don't have a guy on my team, I, I maybe don't fully grasp kind of the great season that, that he had or the poor season that he had. It can work the other way too. But for, for all the good stuff that they had with, you know, the whole party at Napoli thing, uh, Carl Santana had a power surge. Tyler Naquin made a lot of noise. Francisco Lindor continued to be great. Their pitching um, was awesome for the bulk of the year until they hemorrhaged a few guys and they got Andrew Miller. I think Jose Ramirez was a little bit lost in that shuffle, um, and he went out and put 152 games on the board, 618 plate appearances, 11 homers, 22 stolen bases, a 3.12 average. The dude does not strike out, 66 strikeouts, 44 walks. Plays quality defense. I, I know he, he had a big season in terms of uh, hitting with runners in scoring position. Not necessarily sure that that carries over, but that was uh, one of his big driving forces for them. For the Indians this year, yeah, he had 881 OPS, 355 average with runners in scoring position. Jose Ramirez is only going to be 24 years old next year. This is a young guy who was a prospect, certainly not on the same level as Lindor, but but a firm top 10 prospect for the for the Cleveland Indians for, for several years. How do you feel about Jose Ramirez going into next year? It is interesting. He's kind of one of those guys you feel like he's older than he is because he's been around for so long. Absolutely. He first uh, made impact. 2013 is when he first got a little taste, uh, only 15 games, but even 2014, 68 games, 266 plate appearances. So he's been around now. This was his fourth season in the majors, and again, going to be 24 next year. Yeah, it's only 24. So that means he's still po- he's still pre-peak, and so that's I think that's really important when you think about his power because he really the 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 thing that's the most out of whack for his entire line because if you if you pace out a lot of his stuff from before, it's basically what he's done before except for the power. So 
you know, adding league average power to this sort of 20 steal capability, um, you know, decent OBP uh, due to, you know, putting the ball in play, uh, power makes this whole thing hum. So, you know, the projections have him falling back to a 280 average and, um, you know, basically fewer doubles uh, and uh, a lower on-base percentage based on, you know, regression in the power department. But maybe not. You know, maybe it's not going to be that bad. You know, he... he uh, He's he's growing into what his approach, and he's uh, he makes a ton of contact. And even betting on the sort of two eighty ten twenty line, uh, you know, who maybe who knows? Maybe he keeps that power. And you're talking about a guy who hits two eighty with fifteen homers and twenty stolen bases next year. Um, I, I would certainly take that. I mean, right. it's, uh, and I think it's he'll be, be undervalued. I think he, you know, not only the Indians, and it's the Indians. You know, when when you think of Indians, you think of Carrasco, Kluber, you think of pitching. You know, mm-hmm. and it, even if you think of hitting, you you, I think you think of Brantley before Ramirez, and Ramirez was Brantley this year. So he um, he really was. That was a Brantley esque season for Jose Ramirez. It's going to be third base, <laughs> outfield eligible next year too. So he, he adds a little bit of eligibility. Nine games at second, man. One more game, and he would have been a second baseman too. So so close. Now, I think that it's the uh, actually no. I think you need twenty because I was going to say the nine games at at second plus five at short for Jose Ramirez might, might be enough in some leagues to give him middle. The ten gamers, yeah, maybe. Yeah, some leagues if it's only ten. But you know, three B LF, especially if you if you have LF split out, left field is actually a surprisingly shallow awful. position. It's pretty yes. bad. It's it, it's it's if if you play in one of those leagues that separates it out, you're right. It is tough to find a high quality left fielder, and I think you could definitely slide him out there. You got to get you'd have to get some power elsewhere. You might have to have a power shortstop or a power second baseman to kind of make up for it. But I'd have no problem putting Jose Ramirez out there because, like you said, there could actually be some power upside for somebody who's going to be 24 years old. So and I really we didn't like miss Jose him. Ramirez. Hey, don't be so hard on yourself. We didn't miss him too bad. We talked about him about halfway through the season. I remember we did because I have a 12-team dynasty league with LF split out. And left field has been a, a total disaster for me because I was hoping that I'd get, I'd get somebody between Soler and Domingo Santana this year. That was my left field plan. And that didn't work out, uh, to say one the of least. The, one of those was supposed to click, by the way. <laughs> right. And, and then, you know, actually, I've been watching Solaire in the playoffs, I, and I mumbled to my brother-in-law because we were watching these games. I was just like, I really missed on this guy this year. And he was like, he's a beast. And I was like, I'm, I'm not even sure I'm totally wrong in the, in the long term. I mean, Solaire no. is still huge. He can still wallop a ball. Anytime and, I watch him, I'm like... <clears throat> I, I see where the love is. This is why this is why I love him too. I, so it's just a little geek. bit of the Andrew Jones, you know, breaking ball away problem. That, that's true. That's true. And, and when he gets beat, he, Solari gets beaten really bad. We're actually going to talk about the Cubs uh, in, in a moment, in, in, including kind well, of anyway, your thoughts on how you I feel about some Ramirez of these guys. In that league, it was he was available in twelve teamers all the, all year, and I picked him up. And, and actually, I think he was. I did, I wrote a piece today that was the all free agent. Uh, lineup oh sweet uh and it was basically the all undrafted team and a reader a listener and reader of ours joe camp went out and just put together the best free agents in his in his league and put it up against the best drafted teams and the best un the undrafted team won that doesn't surprise me so i used to do this thing and ramirez jose ramirez was the shortstop i would join a 12 team yahoo league tank the draft and 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 do free agents all year, nice. and and try to see if I could win. A couple a couple of my friends, uh, we would do that. In fact, a guy Adam who always goes to uh, Arizona Fall, you definitely recognize recognize him if you if you're not recalling the name off, offhand. He's always there. Uh, he actually won one of his leagues doing it. I've never won. Nice. The best I got was third. But yeah, that you know that first pool that you go through is where you obviously you you try to hit on a lot of your studs that you're excited about coming into the year but then you just got to be quick on the draw and get some of these guys there's a lot of interesting names that you have on here obviously jonathan vr was one that was not drafted in 12 12 team yahoo leagues ramirez uh, i think it makes me sad that i don't have more of these guys it makes me sad i don't have more of these guys it makes me think that i'm not fast enough it is one thing that I have to think about. I, we've talked about this. You have to evaluate yourself at the end of every season. And one of the things that I do is play a lot of dynasty leagues, and I've talked to you guys about that a lot. 
in the dynasty leagues, you're going to keep Jorge Soler throughout a season like this uh, mm-hmm. because he's still, you know, 24 and 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 yoked. Um, well, and and you can't. I mean, it's hard to cut bait on somebody like that after even two months because then their last four could be good. Right. You know, no, it, I mean, it's, it, you definitely, like, I, I gave Evan Gaddis as the opposite, right? Evan Gaddis was 240 with five home runs for the first two months. So you could have dropped Evan Gaddis for Yadier Molina, and in this case, you would have still got a top 12 guy out of it. And that, probably people did that, right? There was probably some absolutely. people who were like, well, at least I'll have a good average from Yadier Molina. Evan Gaddis ended up, like, fourth. Uh, yeah, because he ended up with 32 32 yaks. homers, yeah. So I think... I think that there are a lot of guys out there. I think people who listen to us know that we're among the more level-headed and calm guys. And that there's a lot of other people they can listen to that'll tell them, oh, this guy sucks, drop him, he's never going to be any good, blah, blah, blah. And I think most of the time they're wrong, you know? Absolutely. Um, I mean, but, it, it's hard to practice the patience. Well, too, on, the, right? on the flip side, you, what, we, what we do, we can fall into ruts where now we need to use everything at our disposal, spin rates, exit velocity, launch angles, these things that, that, come in, that, that come in and are meaningful fast. And we need to be able to look at those things and say, you know what, this guy's hurt. You know, this guy's hurt. And that, I think that's something that we started to hit on this year when you yeah. and I would go through some of these guys and say, well, what's going on here? Okay, he's, he's probably nicked. Obviously yeah. not hurt enough to go on the DL, but something is wrong here. And then maybe they'll, they'll get better and we'll revisit them and say, okay, whatever injury we suspected might have been there, uh, it, he's, he's healthy again. And th- those ebbs and flows are what's really tough, right? Because it's, do I reserve him or do I cut him? And I'm, try- I'm still trying to learn that. I'm trying to balance being aggressive on the wire with being patient with guys that I really feel confident will come back. And I think that's something that Jason um, also mentions to struggling with too. It's, it's, it's such a delicate balance. Obviously, league type matters. But but generally speaking, I'm inclined to play the patient game. Yeah, yeah. Another thing that shows up on this, if you look at the pitching staff, is that there are a bunch of non-closer relievers on it. Christopher Devensky, Brad Brock, Addison Reed, none of them got a save. And none of them but really... But they just gave lots of good innings and big Ks, right? And it's really hard to... I, mean, I, I still don't... I mean, looking at this, it's staring at me in the face, and I still doubt that I'm going to do a lot of it. This year I did in one league have Dallin Patances all year. That is like an like a real obvious version of it. Mm-hmm. You know, um but would I have kept Addison Reed on my team all year? No, I would have I would have gone fishing for a closer. Uh and I had See, I, I, like I had some types. really bad closers on my team. And I, and I my ERA and whip were not that great to end of the season. And I had guys like uh was it was it Jake Barrett? And Jake Barrett. Yeah, Jake Barrett. I had uh He closed for a minute in Arizona. Oh god. I had I had the whole Arizona situation for a while. <laughs> I just had all those en- guys on my Enrique league. Burgos, maybe? Yeah, I had him for a while. So, you know, maybe another thing I can teach myself out of this out of this post and out of this season is you know, sometimes don't pick up uh Jake Barrett. You know, sometimes <laughs> just leave Addison Reed in that slot. See I I'm on that side and I have been like, that's one aspect that I am perfectly okay with. I'm not going to take the weak fourth, fifth starter from, from some team, from even a good team. Um, just, just to get him, just to get a starter. I would rather have a Brad Brock. And that, in fact, that was a guy this year that I kind of, you know, saw what he was doing early and I went ahead and, and slotted him in on a couple of actually mixed league teams. And, you know, especially because I had some strength up front. You got to have some strength up front with your rotation because if you have a bunch of five, six inning guys, you are going to fall behind in, in, in strikeouts because of volume. But if you've got some workhorses and, and maybe that middle back end part of your rotation just isn't clicking, don't just fill in with scrubs if you're in a deeper league, like a 14 team that isn't going to have a really fruitful starting pitching waiver wire. The Brad Brocks of the world can be very useful. I mean, he threw 79 innings with a 30% strikeout rate. I mean, I'll, I'll take those 92 strikeouts all day. I bet, I bet his 92 strikeouts outdid some starters who pitched all year, if I, if I had to guess. In fact, I'm yeah. going to look that up. I'm, uh, I'm looking that up right now. Let's see. It, it, takes, it, takes, it takes balls. And, in fact, Zach Sanders got, got ripped a lot. 
because in his rankings, his reliever rankings, there would be non-closer relievers in the top 20. Um, and they always finish there, though, too. And, and we get so locked in on saves. And I get it because the saves category moves the needle. But, but you know, you put this in line with the Andrew Miller situation, maybe it'll become even more obvious that yes. sometimes you just pick Andrew Miller going into the season because he's cheaper and or even not even Andrew Miller because he might be expensive at this point. But you, you pick you pick Corey Kniebel over Tyler Thornburg, you know, that yeah, you, sort of deal. You, you find the guy who, who could be that, and I think you can go and look at skills and find that. By the way, 92 strikeouts did not out, outpace any qualified starters. Uh, 103 was the lowest for Martin That's Perez pretty close. and Jared Weaver. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, I'd take, and I don't I would want take Fred their Bronco ERAs and wins. Martin Perez in a second, for sure. In in and millisecond, of course, same goes for Jared Weaver, but that's not even a consideration. All right, a couple more things here. Are you taking Connor Glassbee in the first round or second round? <laughs> I'm trading everything I got in my dynasty leagues for him. I, I feel like you have to, right? You, you just have to. He's only twenty. Now, um, is he any? Is he somebody that you're considering at all, though? Is there anything here, or is this just two big key hits? Uh, he wasn't terrible. Glassby was not terrible this year. He's about a league average guy by OPS plus with a 97, uh, six homers, four triples. I imagine that a lot of that has to do with San Francisco. Or maybe he got some in Arizona too. Arizona's really sneaky good triples uh, area. 262 average, 25 ribbies. I don't know if he has anywhere to necessarily play the full year, um, but he is going to just be. Tw- he's still 29. You know, he's not. He's not old. Is there anything here? With, with with Connor Gillespie, or is this again just the one, getting some there, love? There for was a an adjustment. The one adjustment is he got way more aggressive, especially in the zone. Um, his swing rate in the zone this year was out. Of, uh, you know, he's at seventy seven for his career. He's at seventy, so ten percent more swings. Former uh, first round pick, by the way. Yeah, he was at one point the White Sox number three hitter. So forty forty nine. That just that was a backhanded compliment. Forty nine percent swing rate for his career, fifty five percent. So he definitely got more aggressive, and I think that served him well because if you look at, he used to walk in the minor leagues, but for his major league career, he has a seven percent walk rate, and he has a great contact rate. And I think players like that should actually be more aggressive because it doesn't suit their natural skills to be a, a patient guy. You know, he could walk twelve percent of the time and strike out twenty five percent of the time. Is how I, you know, I how I see it. So. By being aggressive, he gets out, puts the balls in play, and has better than league average power, probably. I mean, for his career, it's league average, but this year it's a little better, and there's been stints where he's shown better. And in the minor leagues, he had some stints where it was better. So, I don't know. It's still, you know, a lefty uh, third baseman that probably only plays against righties if he plays, and Eduardo Nunez is going to be the starter there next year um, if he stays with the Giants. So... I think he's he's uh, just a bit piece, you know. I think he's a waiver wire guy. Yeah, a, 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 in the deep league, like a really deep league, since the name is out there now, I think he's going to get drafted. But it's not somebody that I'm saying I have to get. But I, I yeah. did. I just did want to bring him up. Where did he play? He played at um, was it only third base? Third and first. Yeah. No, well, see, that's not there's very useful. Little, if he was like yeah, a Jose a Ramirez type, you could say, you know, well, I'll put him on my bench and. Hopefully, when somebody gets hurt, he's playing in a deep league. But even at first and third, you can probably go get someone on the wire in most leagues. Yeah, I mean, like a, third base. Even in AL Labor, Jeffrey Marte was on the wire all year. And Jeffrey Marte is not great, but is Jeffrey Marte any worse than you know a two sixty average league average power? I don't think so. Not much worse. No, no. That, that, unless he just goes full Daniel Murphy here, and we learn that there are some some major changes. Um, you know, you mentioned there are some changes, but but unless we see some sweeping changes for for Gillespie, I, I think I think we're just seeing some some nice hits from him, which is cool, but nothing to go too crazy yeah. about. Now, there is something to go crazy about on the other side. They, they, these Cubs, watching these Cubs, and it's it's weird to call them baby Cubs because Cub is already a baby, so these are fetuses or feti. <laughs> um, hey. Javier Baez continues to impress me, and I, I tweeted out that he's, he's the guy on the other team that you hate just because you're mad about how good he is, right? And yeah, I, I'm not even talking about the hot-dogging stuff. Yeah, he's I don't, a little cocky. I, and I don't think it's like out-of-bounds cocky, though. I think that's pretty standard-issue right, right, right. standard cockiness. So it's not even that. It's just And to his I, credit, I mean, he was mad that Romo was chirping at him, but 
to his credit, he took it as a cocky person would and sort of, you know, brushed him aside. He slept it off. And yeah. I, I thought that that was a, a good way to handle it. Don't don't get hothead and go right back at him. You, you yeah. know you've been cocky because you're because you're putting up some numbers too like he's doing some things right he single-handedly mm-hmm. won the first game and i know he missed that homer uh in the second game and that's probably what uh, what really got him some heat from them but he's been great amazing defensive plays uh they have addison russell we already talked about jorge soler wilson Contreras. I which got of some... these four at yeah. their cost do you like most next year it's going to be interesting there's going to be a certain amount of hype about all of them who was the four Contreras. Russell, Contreras, Soler, Russell, and Baez. And obviously they're going to go different. Well, I feel like Russell is going to be the most expensive. Yeah, I almost didn't include him because I think the other three are going to be at a, or maybe a level Baez. below. Maybe but Baez factor will be in more the expensive cost. than Russell. Baez is, does the things that fantasy owners love. Well, and especially if they keep going, if they go deep and he continues to do stuff, I guarantee that Baez is at least going to be right there with Russell, if not surpass him. And, there's a lot of folks just looking for a reason to get on the Baez train, and I understand. And it. honestly, in fantasy, Baez's game might be more suited to to uh, fantasy than Russell's because well, if you look at speed. projections, he's do, he's doing basically what he should be doing. At least when you look at the major league season, uh, two sixty average for for Baez with uh, sixteen homers, eleven stolen bases, and four hundred plate appearances. If you big that up to a full season, you're probably talking about um, what, you're probably at another. Fifty percent or so. Um, okay, twenty-two homers, uh, twenty stolen bases. Twenty-two st- homers, fifteen stolen bases with a two fifty-seven average. That's uh, that's that's his projection. So we're not even you know we're not even drooling over him yet. Uh, and Addison Russell's projection, just to compare like to like, is a two forty-four average with twenty home runs and st- seven stolen bases. In that's maxed out in terms of PAs. That's six hundred fifty plate appearances, which he's never done. So, um, so I think that's. Uh, I'd rather take the bias line. There's more steals there. There's more projection in terms of games played that hasn't happened yet. Um, and, but I, what I really like about Russell is that there's been a lot of forward progression that's incremental every year. He's you know at hit for more power and and drop the strikeout rate and drop the contact rate, you know, improve the contact rate, improve the walk rate. Two full seasons. He has a thousand at bats, and he's going to be twenty-three. Addison yeah. Russell, and he's not going to be as streaky as Baez. I think next year he's going to get a really close to twenty percent. He's going to get really close to ten percent walk, twenty percent strikeout, and that's the kind of thing where he's going to take a leap forward and hit two sixty or two seventy. I think mm-hmm. because if you put better than league average power with better than league average patience and better than league average contact rate, I think there's no way you hit two forty. Yeah, I'm, so, I'm not at all dissuaded by the season I saw. He, he didn't, Russell didn't do, you know, didn't pan out at the level that I that I had hoped for with yeah. the hype that I that I placed on him. But I'm not dissuaded by it. I thought, you know, even for the, some of the higher prices that I paid, I'll take 21 homers and 95 ribbies from shortstop. Yeah. And again, I just I don't see everyone's any batting average is lower. And, and yeah, I think I, it, going forward, I think I'd rather bet on him to make that leap to a good batting average than Baez, who did you know so much to get to a twenty five percent strikeout rate, you know, mm-hmm. and he still has that crazy whiff rate, way way higher than than Russell's, and he doesn't walk at all, so he is just swinging from his heels. He swings so hard, and I just feel like that's more likely to have a lower batting average next year, even if it's more likely to also have more power than Russell. Um, Russell's not powerless, you know? He just hit 20 homers. So, I... <laughs> we have breaking news about something? Clayton Kershaw gave up a hit. He sucks in the playoffs. Oh, should have started Urias. Just saying. Uh, just U- saying. Urias. I'm just kidding. Anyway, so Baez is going to be... I've talked about Baez before, and somebody was like, oh, why do you like him? Everyone likes him. He's so streaky. He did this in the last month. And I'm like, yeah, he's going to be streaky. He's going to be streaky because he's not going to give you any value when he's striking out and not walking. And there's going to be a month where he hits one home run and hits 210, and everyone says he's terrible and drops him. But this is the guy that you hold all year, and at the end of the year you have 20 homers and 15 stolen bases. That's Um, the thing. Most people still play Roto. So the, the streakiness doesn't matter. As long as you, as long as you have a strong stomach, you know, as long as yes, you can hang it, with them, you have to. You have to have the patience. That you're right. 
if and, I, and we talk about this a lot too if you know yourself better than 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 we're going to know it obviously if you're not somebody who is patient with players and you can't necessarily tolerate the ups and downs don't draft a player like this because he's going to infuriate you um you know get get your guys who you feel are more consistent uh, I'm, I'm trying to think of some off the top of my head. It's hard because most baseball players really aren't consistent. Uh-huh. You think about a guy like uh, Joey Votto, who we would call consistent. Look at what he's done yeah, the last two years month. with those ugly first halves and then otherworldly, I'm better than Barry Bonds second halves. Yeah. You know, and so. And a lot I, of times, I, I, yeah, I wrote that piece that consistency comes with age. So a lot of times, like Ben Zobris is pretty consistent, but his, you know, his, his overall production is in a general decline. So <clears throat> sometimes you overvalue consistency. If, if you think too much about consistency, you're going to come up with an older team. So Speaking of older, that's a segue. Well, I didn't uh, answer the question, though. Oh, yeah, I guess you did. Well, I thought, I thought you were picking Baez. I'm picking Baez over Russell, but Contreras is the guy who's 24, doesn't have the same strikeout problems as the other guys in his past, and plays catcher. By the way, yeah. I, I don't know if he's getting as much hype, so it, it could actually be a better case. But this is going to be similar to the, the Schwarber thing, where you got a guy uh, who qualifies a catcher who's not going to catch a lot, who could have an amazing season. Yeah. I, I, I haven't seen prices yet, and I'm really interested to see how your early mock goes. Because I would like to see where Contreras... If Contreras... Soler is going to be the cheapest, but he's also the riskiest. So I'm just going to put him aside because he's more dollar bin, bench, you know, take a flyer, hope he gets traded situation, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas uh, the other three are starters, I think. Yes. That are going to be drafted in all leagues, probably. 100%. You know, Russell's maybe borderline in like a 12-teamer, but I think even there, especially if you have MI, you're drafting them. So they're all going to be draftable... And they're all going to be, none of them are going to be dollar guys. None of them are going to be $5 guys. They're probably all going to be double-digit guys. So I think putting Contreras, Baez, and Russell in one bin is interesting. And um, I think if you're going to have a two-catcher league, Contreras is the guy right away. Because you plug him in there and you get way more plate appearances than you normally would. He, I think he's going to cut his strikeout rate. Uh, I think Contreras is really good. So speaking of Schwarber, yeah, what, what do you think the outlook is for him next year? I guess I could have included him in this, but I just uh, don't really know with the leg. Yeah, you know, he was already taking swings and stuff, so I don't think that the the outcome is really terrible for him in terms of you know long term. Um, and I think that's a reason why Soler is really a non factor. Uh, and I think that the Cubs would want to start the season. Ross is leaving. I think the Cubs will want to start the season with Contreras as a starting catcher just because that helps alleviate their outfield situation. Um, and I, I think, think Soler gets moved in the offseason. There's my bold prediction. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, just because, because Schwarber's coming back and they don't want to trade Schwarber. So I think they're going to give Schwarber another chance in the outfield. Agreed. And, and they've got Almora to be the defensive replacement in, you know, for Schwarber in, in games. Yeah, and Baez is a really good uh, soft landing if... Hayward gets worse, yep. um, Zobris gets hurt because he's old, or if Schwarber can't play the outfield, uh, you know, well, you think if they Schwarber can't Fowler? play the outfield, he's not going to, I doubt he's going to catch, but um, I think they'll, I think that Schwarber will play the outfield no matter what. They'll just coach him through it. It'll be yeah, Schwarber and Almora, like you said. Schwarber and Almora together manage, manage left field. Zobris, I think, I guess he goes back to the middle infield, which, you know, where does, um, where does uh, uh, well, no, I, here you go. Hayward and center, Hayward and center, Zobrist and Fowler right. was a one, one year deal, yeah. Zobrist and right, and Schwarber and left. Oh, yeah, Zobrist is a little bit old. I know. Can he, can he, can he hang right? Can he yeah, hang right? Maybe you're not putting Schwarber in right, yeah. No, yeah, I think that might be it. Zobrist and then Baez plays every day, yeah. That's that second, that yeah. Happen. And um. And Contreras is the catcher, which actually reduces Contreras' playing time. That's true. That's true. But 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 here's the thing: the Cubs don't 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 pin them down on on a, on a setup. But there's They're risk going... in all of these guys, and I wonder if you should fade them all. Oh man, I can't. 
Yeah, I know. I'm already going to tell you. They're so sexy. It's so sexy. I can't do it. Uh, I understand what you're saying, but nope, nope, won't be able to do it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still going to be investing in the in these back end guys for sure. You know, I, Bias I, is not my traditional. I, I've been out on Bias for a long time. He's not my traditional skills package. I was out on Bias too. I, I, I've actually come around and said, okay. I may, might, I may have been a little too hasty, right. and now watching him regularly, I'm just like, God, he's a good player, and that defense is so. Well, how awesome. about this? This is this is a reader request, and it actually falls in the same sort of category as Baez versus Russell. How about Buxton versus Benintendi? Ooh, Isn't that about a, the same thing? Yes, of it's course. really close. That's re- that's a really good one, especially with floors the- versus ceilings. The Baez Buxton type has the higher ceiling. They're gonna. Yep. They're the ones that may win you uh, by themselves. Turn into trout type players, thirty thirty with you know could even have good batting averages uh, if if the if everything clicked you know. But Benintendi just hits, man. But Benintendi right and up. Russell are my guys. You know, they're the guys of the high floor. Maybe I play in these two deep leagues, these fantasy, these dynasty leagues where you know floor is more valuable, but. I, you know, I don't think they're bad either. It's not like well, this saying... thing you're getting floor with star upside. I still think Russell has superstar upside, and you know, like the adjustments ben that he makes like at the a plate. Top ten prospect that you know came into the league at you know how old is he? Uh, he's 21 and he skipped triple A and yeah, went, went ahead and hit yeah, 295 for 118 plate appearances. I know it's a small sample, but he put up a. But a, even a projections big... say he's 285 at 22 years old. I mean. S- and even they want to give him stolen bases. So, you know, Benintendi next year could go 15-15. Yeah, I, 15. I, I think it depends I think how he's much got they more let power him run. He did I don't know why they're 16. regressing that power. He never hit below 200 ISO in the minor leagues. So I think, like, a decent projection for him next year is 280-2012. That would be hot. That's that really hot. good. What, what do you think, what well, do you how think good Buxton, Buxton can do? Can be? I mean, Buxton... Yeah, for all of the great months that everyone had, and everyone's like, oh, anybody who called him a bust, you, you better retract your statements. Chill. You still look at the full numbers for the year, and they really bad whiff rate. And exactly. And really bad strikeout rate. So, yeah, he got that. strikeouts and 331 plate appearances from Buxton. Yeah, and he got up to 205 ISO with a really nice month at the end. I mean, he, he had like a nothing ISO for a while. So, I don't know. I'm taking Ben Attendee, man. I might go Russell Buxton. That's an interesting combo there. On on that one, but um, I I completely understand the 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 Buxton concerns. Uh, You know, even like you said, even with the even with the big month, first off, it was September, and you know when when we're not when we're not on board with a guy, we say watch out for September's. Don't get too hyped on them. Mm -hmm. So just because we like Buxton. For those that do, you can't automatically now say that September's mean everything. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I'm not sleeping on Benintendi. The one thing that I just noticed that, that you brought up was that he, he had some speed in his projection because he ran in the minors. Mm-hmm. So he didn't run much in the majors. That's something that you come up, don't worry about running. As you get more acclimated, we could see the double-digit stone bases. And if you're going 2012... Also hurt himself, you know, you know so in the legs. So I don't, I don't think it'll carry forward because he's so young, but... Yeah, so I, oh, seven seven point four percent swing strike rate. Dude is not going to strike out twenty percent of the time next year. That one's really tough for me. I, I might I might even be flip flopping right now. Like between Benintendi and Buxton, can I just get both? Because uh, I think I'm one passing will, on Buxton. I think one will click. I'm not I'm not stepping off of my uh, my idea that he's still overvalued. And I know that he had that great that great. He's gonna he is what he's actually. What I was afraid Baez was going to be. I think Baez has actually shown me more consistency than Buxton. Well, um, and more more evolution, more yeah, development. Yeah, Buxton. That's that's what's really turned me has on. Has been Baez. completely lost at the plate at times. Mm-hmm. And even in his great September, where you know, and I acknowledge it was a fun September, he still struck out thirty four percent of the time. And that's just, you just can't have that. And even in today's game, that's a real high. That's a real high number. You know, you, that's you can't find consistent success with that. You you just can't. You can find a month because nobody has a three seventy Babbitt. going to catch up to you. That's how he had a two eighty average in September because he had a three seventy Babbitt, and nobody nobody carries that for a full year. 
No, even a guy and he's got some speed to, yeah. to be on the higher end of Babbitt, but you can't project 370. So no, I, t- I totally get it with Buxton. Um, th- those two are going to be a fascinating debate, especially in like an AL only league where you're trying to get them as probably your third outfielder. And you have um, to have them. Yeah, in a 12 team league, you need them to perform. You might actually be able to get both uh, because you can just you know put one on your bench. That would be a great way to fill your third OF in a you know slash util in a 12 team league because you boy are you buying into upside you know absolutely and but, and you got to figure one of them clicks so um yeah. we'll probably talk more about them as, as the off season goes one last thing before we get to before we finish up here and go watch this this Dodgers game Carlos Beltran's going to return next year oh 39 years uh, old this year, had an excellent season. 29 homers, 93 ribbies with a 295 average and 73 runs between the uh, the Yankees and Rangers. 2017, uh, he will be returning for eight, age 40 season. Obviously, he's going to be a free agent. What are your expectations for Carlos Beltran at 40? I know it's Jeez, pretty tough look to at pin the down something. projections, man. 280 with 24 homers? That's what happens when you're a Hall yeah, of Famer, man. Dude. His worst, he had one bad year. His 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 average year after 35. Let's see, he turned 35 in 2012. Then his average year after he turned 35 looks just sort of eyeballing it. Looks like 275 with 24 homers. Isn't that Jesus! Crazy? After he turned 35, that's crazy. Yeah, and and he, all the while, like turning you know more into a DH type. Yeah, I think it'll matter where he signs. You know, not That'll necessarily only part park factors, but just, you know, how much playing time we see is, you know, where is he going to play? Because I'd rather he played in the outfield, um, but he's playing more and more DH these days. And I, I think he'll go somewhere where they're where they'll let him at least get, you know, 50 plus games in the outfield. But um, you, you got to be you got to be looking to DH there. One nothing. One nothing. Nats. first three runners are all on. Oh, time to put the game on. I, I think uh, Ale only for sure. I'll buy him for cheap. Uh, you know, anything lower than that, I'd want to. I'd want to know a lot more about his playing time situation. Where he's fantasy baseball is super ageist. So even if he signs in a juicy spot, Carlos Beltran at forty years old is not going to be super expensive. Uh, NFBC with the, with value right here. You know, like What's that? NFBC type value, like fifth, fifth outfielder in a fifteen team league. I, I, I would really get behind that. I would yeah. definitely be interested. And, you know, it could implode, but if you're going fourth, fifth outfielder, your th- risk those, is those so implode all lower. the time anyway. Yeah. Like yeah. You're, 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 the risk is built in to the cost, so I wouldn't yeah. worry about it. All right, Eno, let's go ahead and get out of here. Go watch this game. We'll be back later this week. You, you down for Friday? Um, yeah, I think I'll be around. Yeah, let's okay. do another one. If not, then, uh, then we'll, have, we'll have one coming up with uh, with Paul Costava soon and then Jason and I'll be back on the weekend just took a little bit of a breather there that that's it for for our time off we might, we might have a sporadic <laughs> schedule but in terms of a full week off that was it you, you just yeah you'll, you'll get a new sleeper in the bus every week it's just uh it may not be as as um you know as regular stay tuned on Twitter we'll always let you know if we're going to be shifting days uh and, and things like that all right you know I'll talk to you later this week take care thanks for listening frustrated trying to buy tickets online most sites make it complicated and then try to sneak in huge fees at checkout that's why you need to try SeatGeek. they've made it easier than ever to buy and sell sports and concert tickets the baseball season is winding down but we're about to have the two biggest months of the regular season so you're definitely gonna be wanting tickets if your team's in 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 contention you might be making a decision kind of at the last minute you know what it's tuesday night let's go ahead and go you jump on SeatGeek. And you're going to guarantee yourself the best prices, even with that sort of uh, game day type of buying as opposed to buying them in in advance. And because SeatGeek is the only place I ever go to look for tickets to a game or concert, that's, that's, that's kind of how I know. 
I, I actually use the product here. I have the app on my phone, and it, it's great. It's taken all the work and hassle out of shopping for tickets. SeatGeek pulls all the tickets available on other sites into one place so you save time and never miss a deal. You can even set alerts for upcoming games, and SeatGeek will let you know if the price falls. Even better, every ticket on SeatGeek is given a grade based on value so you can immediately find underpriced seats. And before you buy, you can use SeatGeek's detailed maps to see the view from your seat. Best of all, SeatGeek is always honest and upfront about the price. Unlike StubHub, SeatGeek shows you the full ticket price from start to finish and never surprises you with huge fees at checkout. Now, our listeners will get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. All you have to do to get that $20 rebate is download the free SeatGeek app, go to the settings tab, and click add a promo code. Enter promo code SLEEPER, S-L-E-E-P-E-R, and then SeatGeek will send you $20 after you made your first ticket purchase. Download the free SeatGeek app and enter promo code SLEEPER today.